0: I have been searching Welcome to Following the Fire. Thanks for joining us on this journey through the wilderness. Just like Israel followed the pillar of fire and smoke, we want to take a new look at our beliefs and just follow Him. And like Israel, we get it wrong a lot, we get lost a lot, but
1: we're doing our best to to go where God leads us. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. Don't you know it's all I have? hey steve how's it going hey nation i was gonna say i don't know what to say after that because we we just caught up in secret without people listening to us because we don't want them to hear all of our secrets but now we can like we can pretend like we just like ran into each other and we're like whoa i guess let's record a podcast right now yeah hey <laughs> yeah but how are you doing
0: no good i it, kind of crazy day like one of those all days of meetings at work. And then I had an MRI at 8am this morning, just kind of a regular routine one. And uh, then I had the plumber come by in the middle of one of my meetings to check on our that's water heater. Funny. That's making weird sounds. And <laughs> You said and something
1: about falling asleep in your MRI.
0: I, yeah. I, well, I was listening. They always say we got Pandora. What kind of, what a station do you want? I'm like, Give me an iron and wine station because it's really nice and calming. And uh, so he, he, yeah. So he went back to the thing and started the MRI, and it's about twenty minutes long just for your brain. And I'm laying there and I'm listening to the clunk 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 ching, arg, all the weird sounds. It's really it loud. It's really yeah. loud. Well, they put they give you earplugs and headphones. It's not too bad, but um, and it was actually keeping me awake. I'm like, this is kind of interesting. I'm like, kind of figuring out, imagining which scans they're doing at what time, you know,
2: and. Because you can feel
1: it vibrating the floor of your brain. You're like, I think are right. <laughs> Is that supposed to happen?
0: And then he turned, the, he forgot and he turned the music on like six minutes into the thing. And and uh, then I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep and the whole time I was trying to keep my legs still from tremoring because it will like shake your whole body and make everything blurry. And I must have started tremoring or something in my sleep because it, it, it was like, hey, how you doing in there? we're almost done (laughs) really non-subtle way of saying wake up dude yeah
1: if you wake up do you stop tremoring
0: yeah i sort of i can with with parkinson's tremors you can usually if i like use all my jedi mind powers to like say do not tremor and that's all i think about no problem the second i start thinking about the song that's playing or whatever it, it might start up again if if it's an off meds moment right not too bad though well, but we made it through and uh looks like no new lesions or anything so I'm good it's good for another 6 months or so so
1: yeah it's like a 900 dollar nap isn't it
0: yeah it's like uh i don't know my my insurance is so so far beyond the deductible for the year. I don't, it's like past February. I don't pay caviar, for anything please. for the rest of the year. Do you have a, what's the caviar version of an MRI? I think it's like three grand or something. Oh man. But I don't, I don't have to pay any of it because I hit, I hit a deductible, like literally February 1st. Holy cow. So yeah. yeah, it's like, what doctors haven't I seen this year? Let me go find one. <laughs> yeah. What do you do?
1: Let's, let's get some of that. Yeah. That's funny.
0: Oh hey, big news! We've officially joined a church. Oh okay. Since we're talking, since we're talking faith journeys, I don't want to take too long on it, but um, we decided to go ahead and officially join the church, the the United Church of Christ here in town. And the official like, I almost said swearing in. It's not really a swearing in, but they they do make you too. It's like the swearing in. (laughs) They do make you take an oath, like not like take an oath, but like say. We will. We promise to try to help this congregation and show up when we can, all that kind of thing. But yeah, it, it was. It almost felt too soon. Um, but mm-hmm. the nice thing about it is, it's. A, I feel like it's a church where deconstruction is welcome and 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 encouraged. Actually. Yeah. So I thought, well, this is a place where I feel like I can take a safe space to still keep asking crazy questions and questions that I may not have answers to ever. And everybody around me is like, yeah, I was wondering that too, man. Yeah. I'm really happy for you. It's nice.
1: I think that, I think it's pretty amazing to be able to find that kind of space. It is. And like actually be with real humans and get to do those two things at once, like dive into the, to what it's like to be at church together and bring those questions with you you don't have to leave them at home yeah uh, as yeah. as the price of admission so that's really cool yeah i have not i'm like a stray cat still <laughs> so i'm like eh, you know what i'll i'll come by when i want to come by and you know i i may like let you give me milk and i may not i may you know what i may just disappear for a few months so <laughs> I'm definitely in the skittish uh, stage.
0: Yeah. Well, I honestly was too, but Christy is was really, um, really for it, and the kids really, really were. They've been going to the youth group stuff for a while, and they're really enjoying it. And I asked Hannah the other day, I'm like, "So, what's your, what are your thoughts about us joining this Plymouth Congregational Church?" And she's like, "Sick." <laughs> Oh, like that's a good sick, right? <laughs> is that still good? Does that still mean good? It meant Something's good. good when I was yeah, a kid. it's yeah means good. Means good. Good. All right. So the kids are pretty excited about it. So my favorite joke still that I'll just
1: say every time you mention the United Church of Christ is that the U makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah. But that would be a great slogan, like UCC, where you
2: make the difference. You know,
1: <laughs> I gotta work on it. Still. That was great. Some, yeah. There's some grammar to work through, but that's really cool. How about you? Oh, um, I'm, uh, yeah, I've, I've been renovating or like now that it's dark again, working on projects uh, inside that I've yeah. been trying to finish for a very long time. But I finally got to some breakthrough moments where it like isn't getting worse. Now it's getting better. Oh, that's nice. It feels so good. So it's like you're I've done been...
0: deconstructing and you're reconstructing. Exactly. Yes. It's
1: like, oh, that's why I was doing this. I forgot for a little bit there. Deconstruction is this big word. It kind of means a different thing for different people, but we've talked about it a lot. And mm-hmm. it's one great way to describe what we're doing here is a deconstruction podcast. So a lot of what we're talking about and focusing on is the, like the questions we have and the things that we're pulling apart or looking at. And just like when I'm remodeling my house, part of that process is destructive to things or to ideas you had. But deconstruction is a means. Deconstruction is not an end. Like deconstruction Mm -hmm. is how you do something, but it's not like why you do something. Like why you deconstruct is not just so that you end up taking something apart. The reasons to start are all kinds of things, but we're kind of like looking for something good. And just like with my house, it can feel like the worst part of it sometimes. Like, oh my goodness. I just pulled up this floor and found a bunch of black mold everywhere. And, you know, I've found it out. It goes like all the way to this thing that I didn't know I was even going to have to take down. It's frustrating. <laughs> wow. Stressful. You know, like it can feel like that a lot. And I, I feel like recently we've talked about some of those parts of it, like. Things that that feel like we're taking a sledgehammer to something or we pull away a wall and we're like, oh, man, there's even more to do than I thought. Mm hmm. But I've got places in my house now where I finished taking the stuff apart so that I could start putting stuff in new stuff. And then I got to this moment where I've got a complete room that just feels so much better. So I walk up there and I just sigh. And it's like, ah, it (laughs) feels so good. Like, oh, that's what I was looking for. I was like, that's why I was going through all this stressful stuff was for like, yeah, I was hoping that something like that was at the bottom of it. And so I thought I'd have a come on in the water's fine episode where we talk about some of the things that are the good things in the middle of this process. How some of these things like doubt or curiosity or questioning can sometimes it feels like it's tearing something away or like it's exposing something but how it can also reveal this richness to God's character or this depth of scripture that you wouldn't have found if it weren't for this process. Kind of like mm-hmm. when you rip out shag carpet and find out you have hardwood flooring underneath. Yeah. So i I told you that I was going to use a top secret Old Testament story. <laughs> I didn't tell you what it was. I wanted to keep you in the dark. So that okay, I would wait. have the upper hand.
0: So, but
1: so do you, have uh, contor-
0: do you have control issues, Nathan?
1: I do have.
0: Yeah, that's how did you?
1: <laughs> is my therapist talking to you? <laughs> yeah, I def- I enjoy that very much, Steve. So yes. yes. So, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to tell you the top secret story. Okay. That I didn't let you read about or research or prepare, and I did a bunch of research instead. Okay. And I'm just going to ask for like the, th- from memory, what's your 30 second synopsis? What's the story? Oh, great. And then um, just like grill you if you get anything wrong and tell you how, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. And then like, what's the, what's the moral of the story? So, okay. You ready?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So the story is the story of Uza. Uzzah.
0: Ah, uh, Uzza.
1: Yes. Uzzah. Okay. So tell us about Uzza.
0: As it was a dude uh, around when David was uh, the king, and they were they had lost a lot of respect for the Ark of the Covenant. They meaning the the Israelites in, in general, and I forget where they were moving the Ark, Ark to or from or whatever, but it was on a cart instead of being carried on poles by by the priests. And the um, it the cart hit a bump, and it started tipping over. And Uzzah reached out to st- steady the the ark, and he touched the ark to stop it from crashing to the ground, and he died instantly, because you're not allowed to touch the ark. Yeah, the end of Uzzah.
1: <laughs> the end of Uzzah. And what is the what is the moral of the story? What's the what's the point?
0: Well, I've always been taught that it would, the moral was following everything to the letter that's in the Bible is so important that God will kill you if you do the wrong thing once. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially. Yeah. It's not a fun story, but we, I mean, I've i have probably seen 12 flannel graph story, uh, renditions of it in my, in my lifetime. That we Whoa. Tell. How, you know how many, it's like, how many stories like that do we tell little kids? It's like traumatizing.
1: That is traumatizing.
0: But anyway, yeah. yeah.
1: So the, so what's the moral of the story?
0: Don't screw up or you die. Yeah, the end. The end. Yeah, there's no Come second on. chance.
1: Yeah. Come on. It's ridiculous that we, <laughs> so where you get in pre-curiosity, pre-doubt, pre-questioning, mm-hmm. the end of the story of Uza is if you don't follow the rules, you'll die.
0: Yeah, that's the vibe you get. I mean, because that's when you're when you're in Bible school, that's where the story ends, and that's all it's really said. Just yeah. to emphasize how serious God is about this stuff.
1: It's which is crazy to me. Crazy to me. So I wanna experiment with what if we got to the end of the story of U- Uzzah, or I, as I call him Uzzah the because um, <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> um in my flannel graph uh rendition. And we were, we just kept going. We kept asking questions. We followed our curiosity. Okay. So w- first I want to start with, um, ways that I've heard this. So I've, I've heard it like, you know, so even with good intentions, you better get it right. Yeah. Cause God's serious. But in our tradition, in the church of Christ, We care a lot about um, one specific aspect of the whole thing, which is worship. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen this story get applied directly to worship. Um, Like, you know, you need to worship correctly. Have you, have, have you.
0: Oh, I've heard it applied to all kinds of things. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, I mean, it's a good image image because everybody's kind of studied something when it's falling off a table or whatever. And so you you can connect with it pretty quickly. Yeah. It's like an intuitive Reaction, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I've always, I always wondered. Like, that sounds like something that somebody would do, just like a knee jerk reaction without even thinking. And I've and, actually heard then that what, as well. Well,
1: that, that's what it makes you think. Is like, wait a minute, don't follow your intuition. Yeah. Like, even if you're well meaning, your intuition is going to lead you to the wrong direction. Right. Yes. So for the very subset, small subset of when people apply this to worship, I'm just going to start by saying that's. Re- ridiculous before we move on because in this story what actually happens is that everybody in the whole country is worshiping except for two people that's Uzzah and his brother Uh Uzzah and Ahio I didn't realize that
0: Uzz- Uzzah and his brother
1: they're the like cart people and everyone else is dancing in all of Israel wait wait
0: dancing is worship
1: yeah I know okay um, we're gonna
0: circle back to that one
1: they they were getting crazy. <laughs> they had uh wooden instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. So they were going crazy. There's only two people in the whole country not worshiping, and that's Uzza and his brother. Okay. So just that is just to say we can we can move this away from the like this has to do specifically with worship. Or if we continued down that and it was like you know that they worship it incorrectly then we would keep going to the very next story which is David kind of correcting the error mhm and there's this big thing in the church of christ about not adding on to what god says yeah but what david does is well i'll I'll back up and tell the story so here's the here's the real story so um the ark has since the time of the bad King Saul has been not uh, in the tabernacle. It was stolen and it's got, you know, moved from place to place. It, um, there was an enemy, you know, tribe that had it. They're getting cancer and being infected by mice or something. And so they realize it's because they have the ark and they shouldn't have. And so they voluntarily give it back to Israel.
0: Right, Right.
1: With, you know, a little idol of golden tumors and golden mice. But it's not like in a, temple or there's no temple yet and it's not in the tabernacle it's just like in some guy's house mm are just like find you know find a guy's house
0: hasn't made it Maybe back
1: it home yet hasn't made it back home but nobody goes after it either so so that's kind of what david says is like hey we've we neglected this um this thing and he's he's building this city so um, they want to move this from the house of abinadab where it's been for a while to david's new city Jerusalem. Right. So, they, they. I like this, they put it on a brand new cart, made for the purpose, for the occasion. They put it on a cart, Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, are leading the cart, it's on a hill, they get to this, all, all the house of Israel is celebrating with uh, music, but they get to this place, the threshing floor of Nacon, and uh, Uzzah reaches out to the ark, and takes hold of it because the oxen are about to fall over, overturn it. And the anger of the Lord Lord burns against Uzzah. God strikes him down for his irreverence. And then David becomes angry because of the Lord's outburst and names the place. There was an outburst against Uzzah. So then he's afraid and says, I'm not bringing this thing to my city. So he gives it to someone else. Obed-Edom, a Gittite, and then it stays there for three months, and and Obed Edom, the guy who just randomly gets this ark that shows up at his house, he's blessed, and then things go really well for him. Hmm. And then the second, the, the thing that you said, which is, I think, the second mistake people make when they don't question, when they don't, when they stop, mm-hmm. and they don't continue with curiosity, is it's like, be careful, you never know, so you better follow all the laws. Mm-hmm. But what? mistake that makes on accident that I've been very vocal about in this show is it elevates every rule to be equally important. Yes. But God does not consider every rule to be equally important and elevating all rules to like, God will be so angry. That'll kill you for any little minor infraction is, is irreverence. That is, that is taking something from the story and and putting it on mm. God's word in a way that he, like, that is not what he says. There are not very many rules where God says, if you do this, it, it will kill you. Mm. There's lots of commands. There's some things that aren't commands, but something that's clear from the Old Testament and then crystal clear through the lens of Jesus, it is, there are some things that God cares about more than other things. It's not yeah. do every little thing or God will kill you. Like this is one of the very few things where God said, oh, watch out, You'll this will kill you if you do this. There's the, and a good example is um, God even kind of uh, tells us this. So there's the story of Moses on the mountain yeah, and he wants to see God's glory. And God, to paraphrase God, God's like, I'll, I mean, I w- I'll be merciful when I want to be merciful. I'll have compassion when I have compassion. But I'm just telling you right now, dude. If you see me, that will kill you. It's not because yeah. I'm. It's not because I'm not being merciful here. The thing that's merciful is for me to tell you that will kill you. It's just physics here, right? Yeah, like the, it's like <laughs> listen. It's not. I'm being mean here. You know, I've done that as a parent. Now to scale this all the way back, you know, if my son asks for something, it's like. What happens when I touch the screwdriver on the outlet? I'm like, listen, it's not that I don't (laughs) want you to try new things. You know, like don't, don't do that. And I mean, you can, or or do it, but I'm telling you what will happen. Right. Right. But this is one of the few things that God's like, oh, and don't do that because you'll die. It will kill you. Right. Right. He doesn't say that about everything.
0: Immediate death is not that common.
1: It, It is not. And all kinds of things went wrong before this, by the way. And the Ark was captured, and, like, the people capturing it don't just, like, die instantly, even though they're clearly doing something wrong. It got onto a cart, which was wrong. Yeah. And somebody put it there, and it was in some dude's house, which was wrong, right? So, anyways, lots of people would have died if the principle here was, if you don't follow the rules, you'll just die, and that's
0: it. Right, right. That's a good point. S- which
1: is what makes me so sad. So stopping the story there, if all the rules, you better be serious about this. You better get it exactly right or you will die is the f- most boring, flattest path, smallest God ending to the story. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> and it, this is the only way this story is used, by the way. like yeah. But what if we stopped and we're like, what in the world? What in the world is going on This is
0: crazy. Because it is, right? The Like, what? The punishment seems to really outweigh the crime. And what if it's
1: supposed to? What if it's supposed to be like a time when we're like, what? Mm. Come on, what is going on here? And you're supposed to start asking some questions. Yeah. So one question I want to know is like, why Uzzah? Because the it was in some guy's house. I would say Uzzah and his brother clearly loaded this into the cart or somebody clearly loaded this into the cart. There's this thing that my mom taught me that she's really good at that I try to do when I uh, read Old Testament stories, which is to ask what the place names mean and what the people names mean. Mm-hmm. Because often oh, yeah. there's something there. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes yeah. there is and I can't find it. And sometimes it like hits you over the top of the head if you're willing to look at it. So there's three three names in this that I just looked up. Uzzah means strength. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Fine. Uzzah means strength. Ahio is Uza's brother who did, didn't die. Like why did Uzza die? Why didn't Ahio die? I know Uzzah touched it, but they're they're both doing the wrong thing. Why didn't the oxen die? Ahio means brotherly. Okay. Okay. And then they specifically mention where this happens. It happens at the threshing floor of... I say naked because it looks like bacon, so I assume it rhymes with bacon. Naked. <laughs> okay. So uh, you look up naked. Nakin means certainty. Okay. So mm-hmm. there's this... There's... These two brothers, brotherly and strength. They're both uh, walking alongside this cart. And then they come to the threshing floor of certainty. Hmm. And a threshing floor, threshing is a very symbolic thing in the Bible. Threshing is when you beat wheat or grain. And what you're trying to do is get the good part, the nourishing part to stay. And you're trying to remove the worthless part called chaff. So this, Jesus talks about this, but it's all over the Bible. Threshing floors are where you come to be sorted into like, what's yeah. the good stuff and what's the bad. Okay. Two brothers. Here's the story told over. Two brothers, brotherly and Strength, are leading the, the ark. They come to this threshing floor of certainty and Strength tries to save God, tries to correct God or whatever, and is struck down. Meanwhile, Brotherly has been leading through certainty and is left alone. There's a lot of things that that could mean, but one thing that that could mean is something like there's more than one kind of certainty and our self-certainty that like we have the strength to do everything or we know better than God or we're even going to do something for God maybe is not the strength we should hold on to or the certainty we should hold on to where... There's this this devotion to each other that when we come to that moment that that's the something that we can be sure of. I don't know. So, anyways, that's like a mm. a rabbit hole out <laughs> on a limb thing, and it falls apart when you read Chronicles because the story happens twice, and in Chronicles they're in the threshing floor of the tip of the spear, and it's not as good as certainty, but but ultimately whether that means anything or not, the the name thing. Ultimately, I still think it's a valid question to come to this story and say, this doesn't make any sense. This is crazy. Like, so many things went wrong. Why, Uzza? What's going on? Um, And so I think Uzza was struck down because he did the wrong thing. Begs a question, which is like, what was he supposed to do?
0: Yeah, I've often wondered that.
1: Like, what was the correct thing? Was he supposed to let it fall? And... I believe that the answer to what was he supposed to do leads to Jesus. So when you stop, what you get is super scary legalism. But when you keep going and you ask the question like, well, what what was the right way to do this? It's a fulfilling path. It's one of those moments that I think can lead to life instead of death. Hmm. So, so then the natural study is like, oh, what? There's this arc. Um, The Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence. It had some important stuff in it. And then there were rules about what you're supposed to do with it. So the first thing you would find out if you answer that question, like what are you supposed to do? Is that the one specific son uh, of Levi, Levi being the, the father of all the priest tribes, people in Israel. Yeah. He has three sons. One of his sons... Kohath if you're a descendant of Levi and then also a descendant of Kohath, it's your specific job to carry the ark right and if you if you were reading you would find some weird things like um, there's two other brothers Morari and Gersham or something like that and they you know there's all these allotments that happen and these people get this land these people get this job. Well the other two brothers get these carts and oxes but if you're a descendant of kohath they're like oh but you don't get any carts and then it says because you have to carry your stuff on your body you you have to carry it yourself no hmm. no carrying with carts weird okay the kohathites their job is to carry something on their bodies that's a weird thing and so then you read some more of the the rules and you you see them dividing the the parts of the tabernacle. That's what the Levites are in charge of. They run the temple, the tabernacle. They're the priests for the nation. And they all have these different jobs. So just going, going along that again, Kohath and the sons of Kohath are, are the ones who carry this. And you look up what Kohath means. And it's this verb that means either to gather together or to be um, obedient. Hmm. So, we have a name a word for this in English that means both of those things. It's when we say the faithful. Hmm, okay. We kind of mean like the gathering of obedient people. So Kohath, they're the obedient gathered together. They're responsible for the stuff in the very middle of the temple, the whole the holy stuff. In the right. very middle. That's the job they've been given. There's these two other brothers, that's all. Gershom or gorshom or something, his name means to drive out or driven out on the outskirts. And you never guess what he's responsible for. He's responsible for the walls of the tabernacle. Hmm. Oh, weird. Okay. So outside dude responsible for the walls inside faithful gathering guy is responsible for the insides, the whole, the holy part where God's Mm -hmm. presence dwells. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Gershom gets to use carts by the way. I I don't know why. Then the third brother, Moriari or something. His name means bitter or strength. And those two things mean the same thing. So you can think of like strong coffee. Mm, Okay. Right. It's like that kind of, um, so Mr. Strong is responsible. You'd never guess for the pillars that hold up the tabernacle. Hmm. So this strong guy is like the foundation represent, you know, they're like the big lumber guys. You could totally make a, a graphic novel about this where they have like superpowers, (sighs) you know? Yeah. There's the strongs and they're the pillar people and there's the driven out and they're like the you know flaky curtain people <laughs> and then the faithful. And we're I know this is a weird rabbit trail but we've gotten this far just by saying like this is weird what is going on instead of like that's the end and right. we stop we stop looking at it. Uh but I'm going somewhere with this so. So we find out weird okay so it's the responsibility of the faithful to carry the presence of God on their bodies. Huh, okay. And then there's this other rule. It's really weird. I, I never caught this until asking this question. So this, the sons of Kohath, they're the carrier guys. They're not allowed to look at the Ark or they will die. Look? Or any of the other look at. Yeah, they can't look at it. Huh. Or they'll die. And there's there's all kinds of other holy things they carry because the Ark wasn't the only thing. There was the table of the something and the lamp. Showbread, yeah. They, they have to carry all of that stuff. But they're not allowed to look at any of it. And uh, kind of by implication, what you learn is, it says, okay, the other uh, sons of Aaron, like everyone else except for Kohath, they go in and they get everything ready because they're, apparently they're allowed to look at and maybe even touch this stuff. Hmm. Uh, So how do they get it ready so that the Kohath guys can carry? They take this thing called the shielding curtain. Okay. And they take it down. And the shielding curtain is what separates the most holy from the holy. It's what makes the the most holy place. It's the separating curtain. And this is the curtain that only one person gets to go through it only one time a year. Right. On the day of atonement. Whoever's elected by lots sacrifices a bull so he's clean, then he goes in and does a sacrifice for all of Israel
2: hmm. right. so
1: in in the law in ancient Israel, that curtain can be crossed only one time only in one circumstance but anyways, they take that down when they're moving and they fold it and they put it on top of the ark so it's still cut co- that like the holy of holy moves around now because it's still covering the ark. So that the the sons of Kohath can't see or touch, right, the ark, and that it's covered in uh, leather as like extra protection. And then they put a blue little sash on it so it looks nice. <laughs> so when you think about that shielding curtain, what does that remind you of?
0: Oh, when, 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 the, uh, when the curtain tore when Jesus died. Yeah. Curtain in the temple tore in two. That's the curtain.
1: Oh. It's the same curtain. So the the once the tabernacle becomes a temple, there's this same curtain. It's kind of purple and has cherubs on it and it's what separates everybody from right. God, right? Ironically, in the time of Jesus, there's nothing behind that there's nothing behind the curtain. Yeah. Like the ark has been missing for a long time. It's kind of a sham. Yeah priest once a year gets to go in and be like the biggest hypocrite in Israel. But in Matthew, Mark and Luke, when Jesus dies, this curtain is torn in two from top to bottom, from top to bottom. So we, we started with this, the story that fills you with fear and this like uncertainty, like I don't want to do it wrong. But then you move towards like, man, there's where the faithful are carrying the presence of God on their back bodies. That's a weird thing. This curtain is torn. And then you get you skip to Hebrews. And Hebrews 9 talks about this. He's like, hey, the presence of God was with Israel, et cetera, mm. et cetera. But now we can approach God with confidence mm. because of what Jesus has done. We can approach God with confidence. It's this new thing. And, and uh, Hebrews talks about the like the difference between that that law of guilt and this new law of freedom. And then that ends with the verse about, we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but have faith and are saved. Mm. And then finally, that makes me think about second Corinthians uh, three kind of halfway talks about this and says like, okay, now if the ministry that brought death talking about, Mm. you know, things like Uzzah, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit, so that's weird, it's the ministry that brought death, but now we're in the ministry of the Spirit, be even more glorious. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no... Glory now, in comparison to the surpassing glory, and if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which is permanent? Uh, since, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Mm-hmm. We are not like Moses, who had put a curtain over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Their minds were made dull, for uh, to this day, the same curtain remains... When the old covenant is read, it has not been removed because only in Christ it's taken away, even to this day when Moses is read, a a curtain covers their hearts, a veil. Um, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who now with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, yeah. So we start with this story that is the, you better follow the rules or else. Right. But if you're allowed to say like, that's crazy, what is happening?
2: Start you could keep it.
1: and start asking those questions. Part of what we're doing when we're, when we're looking at these questions, the point is not, like I said at the beginning, the point is not to tear stuff down for the point of tearing stuff down right the point is that there is so much richness that we aren't tapping into if we if we don't ask those questions mm. And there sometimes there's stuff that needs to be removed and taken away. That's like not useful or that's rotten or mildewy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what did I find? I was re- remodeling and I found a guitar. There was an what? entire little room that had accidentally got walled off, and there was a guitar in there. A si- uh, what's what's double two times six twelve string guitar. Really?
0: Yeah. In your house.
1: That I, you know, like the previous owner, I don't even know if they knew about it, right? They inherited this house. Somebody did a renovation, right? So I'm taking stuff down um, and and you just, you make these discoveries, right? I also have found like walls full of spider legs. So it's it's both, you know, it's going through this process. I guess one thing I wanted to say is like, sometimes it's like, man, it feels like I'm being told the Easter bunny isn't real and that's sad, but there are also these moments where you get to go beyond where that limit was before. Yeah. And find something that adds a depth that you just, it wasn't available before. It wasn't, we, that's the flannel graph never led to Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. But what if the point of that story and I took a couple weird ways to get there. But what if the point of that story is to point to Jesus and all you have to do is be willing to question some of the weird ones. Like what, what does that mean? Hmm. And it, and it ends with this, the opposite. It One ends in fear and the other ends in approaching God with confidence. Hmm. I, I think that that, that is available. And I've experienced that as a, is a, is a weird way to get there, but in visiting a church that I'm not familiar with or hearing from people who have different beliefs or different doubts or, or have gone through something and lost their faith or, you know, they're from whatever it is. All of those moments for me have been rich when I allow myself to hear those people's stories or explore that thing sometimes it's difficult or hard or it feels like we're tearing stuff down but there's also those moments of redemption
0: yeah i like i like your description of the kind of the deconstruction thing as as a tool and not as the end goal cuz if if you if you think of it as a tool like you said where it, it can tear things down but as you're tearing things down not for the sake of tearing them down but to uh if my beliefs in, in church and God and faith and the Bible and all this stuff is is a building, I'm not coming in with a bulldozer and just, just flattening it and starting from nothing. I'm trying to kind of like use this deconstruction to take it apart brick by brick and like, let's look at this brick and examine it and make sure that, that it's actually needed. Or is, is this a valid brick? Or is this like yeah. one of those like Have this brick cardboard here. bricks that you play with in, in, in like the, the nursery at church? Yeah. Which, do you
1: think everyone has those? I hope so. Or just as I hope so.
0: I hope that's universal because those. Yeah, It was always those fantastic. Awesome. Build a little, little fort. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Or like an altar to sacrifice a kid on. <laughs> <laughs> that's. A... You had a different childhood. For VBS.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I I I like that because, um, you're right. If if you, if you go into the whole deconstruction world, with the intent of just destroying everything you're probably going to succeed. And thats I guess that's not where I want to go. There's, there's some groups that I've kind of gone in and out of on Facebook and on Twitter and, and, and places like that that it seems to be that their their goal of deconstruction is to completely destroy a faith of any kind. They're like this self-congratulatory nature of getting to the point of being an atheist. Like, oh, it's like, that's the goal.
1: It's like he graduated. Yeah.
0: It's like, well, I'm an atheist now, so, you know, I'm past deconstruction. What? What?
1: Yeah. And I think most people, you know, we're, I want to be a little careful because I think most people who go into what we call deconstruction, they're not really, I don't think they choose to do that. No. I think most people, they kind of find themselves there either by listening too much to their church, like taking it actually seriously all the way to its logical conclusion mm-hmm. and you kind of end up with questions there that get you kicked out or you have hurt or you, there's lots of reasons why you go through this. I think there's very few people who s- start happy with no nowhere to go and then say like, I'm going to deconstruct now. But once you're in the middle, wherever, wherever you came from, at least my personal experience has been, there are so many gems. Oh yeah. You know, so that, so you could, you could continue on and end up having a completely uh, destructive deconstruction, or you can go on and it could, you can renew what you believed originally, or you can go on and kind of have a changed faith that kind of, feels more mature to you or it feels like a next step there, there's lots of destinations of deconstruction but i think what you alluded to like there's some now that we know what it's called and we can talk to other people and it kind of can become part of an identity you know i would definitely say like yeah it's not it shouldn't be that the destination it's it's like the it's like therapy therapy is not mm-hmm. the goal
2: yeah right the goal That's is not to be answer. in
1: therapy Good the goal is maybe to be out of therapy or the therapy is to something else and deconstruction right. is to something else. And I want to encourage people that there's a lot of good in, in that journey, wherever that journey's going. I think that the spirit can absolutely be present and, and showing you things and teaching you things while you're questioning, like, what does the spirit do? And do I believe in it?
0: Yeah and and along the way if you i feel i i mean i'm talking in generalities obviously but i feel like if if you can get to the point where you are questioning things and just asking honest questions and trying to get like dig deeper like you're talking about and you allow yourself to go through that and you can even if it takes some weird turns like you were talking about with the thing of with Uza then you may get end up getting to a place that's like like you said that's a lot deeper you may right. get into get into a place where you're like, eh, that doesn't make any sense anymore." Right. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those no no questions should be dangerous things, and I feel like a lot of things that I was taught about the Bible and about these stories about the especially the Old Testament because there's lots of there's lots of good death and mayhem stories in the Old Testament. When you're taught that there's like one, one answer to it or one moral to that story, and you know, looking back at how the, how the Jewish like the rabbis and and scholars of the of history, or throughout history, have looked at the scriptures, the Old Testament and the prophets, the, the law and the prophets, they rarely consider one story to mean one thing. Yeah they're always like riffing on that. And like, what if this is an analogy for this other thing? And I mean, it goes down some weird rabbit holes, <laughs> but that, that seems to be, that, that's kind of how the tradition of reading the old Testament has been for thousands of years. And then we come along and we're like, well, it's only can only mean one thing. And if you ask any questions about it, then you're probably asking dangerous questions. You probably should shut right. up. Yeah. That's,
1: that's a, such a good point. Cause it, You ask the question and you can ask the wrong question and get something valuable out of it. Yeah. So what is dangerous is not the questioning. What's dangerous is when you don't question and you stop and you've got the certainty that there should be no questions, that this Mm -hmm. is the end. And what you're talking about, you know, it's, it's modern, it's modernity or modern thought that says this thing has one meaning. There's one answer to this question. It means this. But like you said, this is this is a book, the whole book, but especially the Old Testament, is designed to be read over and over and over and over so that you, you find that deeper and deeper and deeper thing or new thing, that, that different thing, or that you see it from a different light and you ask a question that you've never asked before. The Church of Christ tends to have a one-to-one mapping, like this verse results mm-hmm. in this proof text. Yep there's a tradition in the Catholic church that every verse has three meanings. One's like the literal, it might not just be the Catholic church, the literal, the like figurative, and then the, what's the word for that? Uh, Prophetic. Right. Mm -hmm. Which in my opinion is just as rigid to limit, you know, when you come with that, either church of Christ saying this means one rule for my life, because the Bible is a rule book, or if you come at it with a Catholic version of like, Oh, okay. What's the literal, what's the figurative and what's the prophetic it's so It's time. It's seven times seven, that complexity. Yeah. It doesn't stop there. Yeah. And I think that that idea of the law of freedom where there's this confidence, like we don't have to go through and dig for what's the perfect rule that I'm going to follow correctly. Cause it, It was simplified so much that we can't miss it through Jesus. So now we get to go through it in freedom and in complexity or in curiosity. And we're not afraid. We're not looking for the thing that's like, what did I do wrong? It's we get to see this depth that even maybe pre-Jesus that the rabbis didn't get to read Mm -hmm. into it. because They weren't reading it through through that law of freedom.
0: Yeah, I, I I forget who said this. I uh, uh, I think I've probably heard multiple people say this lately. A religious person who is certain is a very dangerous person. Well, uh, Trevor said that when we talked. Trevor to him. said that. But okay,
1: yeah, I, I don't think he's the only person. Yeah, maybe but, that's what uh, I'm thinking uh, of. Yeah,
0: but yeah, it, it's, it, it's 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 to your point, you know, that when you cease asking questions, um it it's like when we uh I, mean, I don't know how many how many times when I, we were growing up I was told and I think this is still holds true that as soon as you think that you are you've got it all figured out that that feeling is a guarantee that you haven't got it all figured out yeah and it's kind and of we, like that we
1: know this we know this in life like certainty is what yeah. a young person has and then Wisdom is what an old person has. If you follow the the line in the correct, this is not how everybody works, but but you go from simplicity to complexity as a human and you go from black and white and certainty to you live and you hurt and you see other people live and hurt. And so you're supposed to get to the end of that with a more nuanced view of things, able to empathize with more people hopefully Um, able to see how, why why other people have thought different things. And so that should happen in our religious thought too. Mm -hmm. If we just stop at, even when I talked about, you know, my reading of it where I get to the end and say it points to Jesus, I could turn that into a fundamentalist black and white thing. Like, oh, no, this is the correct way to read it. Right. This is the right answer. That's not the point. The point is not to move from, Oh, I thought the right answer was this, but it turns out now I'm a hundred percent certain that this is the right answer. (laughs) You're doing the same thing. It's the same problem, right? It's the, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Cause that's just a different kind of fundamentalism or a different kind of certainty. The point is to read from like, I know all the answers. This is the, the one thing to approaching with a little bit of reverence and mystery that, what can I learn from it this time? Yeah. Maybe it's different than last time. Or what does this apply to now? Or what new question do I have? Or even am I willing to accept the answer I've always been given for what this means? Or am I willing to read it again and maybe end up at the same spot? Or maybe end up somewhere else?
0: It kind of makes me think of uh, Jewish mysticism, which is kind of a really it's a broad term for lots of different kinds of thought but it's more around kind of like what you're getting at as far as trying to kind of listen for God not not a still small voice type listen for God but be open to lots of different experiences that can teach you about god through through scripture or through your through the religious practice of like, like singing the songs or repeating the prayers or things like that
2: mm-hmm because
0: there's so much, there is so much mystery. And I think, I remember your dad telling me, sitting, he kind of sat me down after a Bible class I taught at one point, and I was t- talking about some, some very certain things. I forget totally what the topic was. But he's like, you know, don't forget that there is some mystery involved, and we've forgotten about the mystery huh. uh, yeah. of, of God and of the Bible and how it works. Because I'm like, oh, this is how it works, you know, <laughs> end of story, period. I was like, meh. Maybe maybe I'm gonna back off a bit.
1: Yeah, I think that's I like that the like leave room for mystery, which is a which is a humbling like approach. This humbly, yeah. And the, the we've I'm beating this horse to death here, but you can't do that if it's of life or death importance to get everything correct. Yeah, true. That's the thing that allows you to not have room for mystery. Or even when you change your belief and now you believe this other thing with 100% certainty and it's the correct way, the impulse is to just be correct or get it all correct. Or that because we kept hearing the story of Uzzah on flannelgraph, we're like, it matters to get everything exactly correct. So I got to take a second look. But the point is to get it correct. Mm -hmm. But the gospel is not Jesus came so that we would get it correct. Through Jesus, we can be, I guess, right about things, but I don't think God cares about us being right about things. I don't think Jesus cares about us being correct. I, he cares a lot more about our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And you can, there are people who are wrong about everything. I've worked with people who, just, like, I worked at a hardware store. You ask this one guy, like, where's this kind of screw? And he's going to tell you the wrong answer. Every time. <laughs> he's, he's never correct. <laughs> You'll be like, Hey, how do I do a miter joint? <laughs> Wrong answer is what he's going to give. Or like, what's a good way to seal up this. He's going to tell you something not good. He is not correct very often,
2: <laughs> but
1: that didn't get in the way of him loving people or mm-hmm. having a right relationship with people. Right. And I am someone who is correct all the time as you've, you've been listening well, to this podcast clearly, long enough, yes. you know, Um, but somehow I have managed in my correctness to screw up lots of relationships and to not have the priorities of Jesus. Like you, You can be correct about almost everything and completely miss the whole gospel. Yeah. You can be wrong about almost everything and you can get it. So the Pharisees were not the people who read the Bible the wrong way. The Pharisees who read the Bible so that they would be correct right and the people that Jesus lifted up were not the people who got it more correct than the pharisees cuz nobody did get it more correct they did get it the most correct i think we forget that sometimes yeah it's not about a path towards increasing correctness it's about stop bowing to the idol of correctness it's not the thing that saves you from eternal damnation that's not in the gospel go read the gospel look yeah. for like who who is correct and did jesus care that they were correct about it or did, or was he mad at them that their correctness was more important than people? Right. Got me on a soapbox, Steve.
0: (laughs) That makes me think of uh, this, this whole thing with Uzzah made me think of uh, Nadab and Abihu. I don't know how many times I've been told the story of Nadab and Abihu to illustrate this exact same thing of you must be to the letter correct. It's Leviticus ten. They um they get they start uh, burning some incense and they they offered it. Just says they offered a strange fire before the Lord that he had not commanded them, and he kills them. Yep, that was used over and over and over. Just just like with Uzzah. You do this tiniest little thing wrong. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd be, I'll be curious after we're done. I might dig into the the story of them and figure out is there a reason they did that? Is there a reason they, like, what's, what led to that? You know, cause there's always a backstory. Right. And is the point really that they did the wrong fire or is it, was there all kinds of things that led up to that that was like, a, was it a systemic problem or I have no idea?
1: Yeah. Or, Or can you, can you in good faith take that story and stop asking those questions and just say, so you better not shout because I'm telling you why, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like is because and especially if you stop there, like fine, I, I kind of get upset in um, children's ministry when the point of the story is to obey yes, and be nice. It's like, come on, kid's can understand the the gospel of loving other people. (laughs) It doesn't all have to be so follow the rules or else, right? But fine. If you're going to teach the kids to follow the rules, then maybe in junior high, go to the story again, but we, we don't return to that story with adult curiosity or adult study. And so then we have the leftover trauma from that flannel and you're like, you know, is it, is an LED light, strange fire or whatever you're afraid of. And you carry that into adulthood. Like, oh, I can't remember where this feeling is coming from, but you better do it all right. And somebody just did something different. And so I need to stand up and walk out of that worship service because I cannot stand for this. Like, That's kind of where it yeah. comes from.
0: It kind of makes me wonder how how much have we screwed each other up <laughs> by... Treating the Old Testament as a book of kids' stories, you know.
1: Oh man, the
0: because like so you, said, you, you go through, you teach these like these preschoolers about this guy who died because he touched a box, right? Yeah, and you got to obey. and and then or Saul stuck in your who head. didn't yeah like he didn't kill everyone and he should have <laughs> like <Right>. okay, <laughs> yeah, or uh, Achan th- who took the the money from. When they, when they pillaged Jericho and he took some money and hid it under his tent and they stoned him and his whole family.
1: The amount of prostitute stories that I heard before I was 12. (laughs) Right. Also (laughs) like any story involving Noah is inappropriate for children. Yeah. I don't care that there's a zoo involved. Right. Like you you just got to stop
0: at the right point, man. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, and gloss over the fact that there would be gloss like- Gloss over the, the, all the dead people and stop right. before the naked part.
0: Right. The, the the earth would have smelled horrible afterwards. <laughs> That's why they stayed in the ark for like another few months.
1: Yeah. But the point of the the wine story is don't drink wine. Right.
0: Sure. Right. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> Moving on. And the point of Lot and his wife le- leaving the town is d- don't turn around because you'll turn into salt, you know. Anyway, right. we, we, tell, we teach all these ki- stories to these kids, and they're internalized for kids growing up in church. And then we become adults or even, even teens, and we don't go back to those stories and dig in again and say, well, what is there a further meaning to this? Or is there something else that maybe I'm supposed to learn about God? Add flesh just, to them, yeah. We just we go, oh, we, well, I learned that story as a kid. Why, why should I have to rethink about that one again?
1: Meanwhile, Jesus is very kid-friendly. Oh, yeah. And the 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 gospel of Jesus that, by the way, like kids in Jesus' time got to hear. There's no kids, like the only kids in the Old Testament are the ones that get stoned. There's, there's not like children. And David. I or attacked okay. by Anyways. bears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but Jesus, the gospel is so simple that it can be understood by children. Yeah. In a children way. And then when you're older, you need to understand the gospel in a slightly older way. And then when you're slightly older and more mature, like there it's simple in the kind of way that like, I don't know, a sunset is simple, you know, like the, the depth continues going.
0: Yeah. Like Jesus says, if you become like one of these little children, because children just love people. They're curious too. They love
1: people. They don't question like what, who they are. Right. That, or that doesn't prevent them from, from the love. Yeah, we should absolutely be teaching children New Testament stories, especially gospel stories, and adults, we should be teaching them scripture, a.k.a. the Old Testament.
0: But if your goal is to create a group of people who will do what they're told and will not question authority, then we're doing it the right way (laughs) already, because that's what it does.
1: Or when they get to that feeling Whether it's them questioning something or them being something not okay or someone in their group is questioning, it activates your adrenaline and you suddenly have a fight or flight like, wait a minute, this is not okay. Either I'm not okay for for feeling this way or being this way or they are not okay. We cannot abide this thing, this reexamination or questioning or curiosity or... Ignorance, you know, you can come in and ask, that's a sad thing, like the story of my friend. You can come in with a clean slate and you will have these questions, but we can't yeah. answer them because we've never allowed like those questions in a safe environment. So the questions are always scary and dangerous.
0: It's interesting you brought this up because I, I just started reading this past week. Uh, you know, last week I mentioned the podcast, uh, The Bible for Normal People. yes. And I finally bought the book, How the Bible Actually Works, by Peter Enns, E-N-N-S. He's one of the hosts of that podcast. And he's he's got like all these degrees in biblical whatnot. And uh, I wanted to recommend this book for people who have been maybe a little bit shaken by some of the previous episodes about issues with the Bible, because he comes from that perspective of kind of a scholar of you know there are issues with the Bible, okay. but he also comes at it from a very, as we're speaking of it now, kind of a, from an adult perspective. As far as it's not a bunch of stories for kids, it's it's it it's not necess, it's not a rule book. We, we've talked about this before, it's, and he even said, he even says some of the things that you you've said in the past, like if you wanted a book to tell you how to do church the right way. This is not the book you want this it this does is a very this bad is the job. wrong book. It's a very, yeah. very bad job at that, yeah. and so he talks a lot about how looking at the Bible as not this history science uh book, but a book about helping us become wise and follow wisdom and know God enough and through knowing god we we can get closer to more wisdom. I'm only like three chapters into it, but it's really good so far. And that's, that's that's kind of where I feel like I'm going in general. I mean, I know that there are some serious issues with the Bible historically, textually, all that kind of stuff. But there's enough in there that help me understand the world in general as far as how people work with each other, how we how we should treat each other, how treating each other. It's like these things have been proven out to work. You know, if you act like Jesus, then the world will be a better place. And so I'm trying to look at the Bible more as helping me understand God, helping me find the wisdom, helping me to be more Jesus-like. And uh, the, I this this book has been helpful so far along those lines. That sounds, I'll have to
1: check that out. If I'm hearing it correctly, i I think I agree with the premise, which is that if you, you can misuse the Bible, we know. I mean, right? Clearly, and so if it if you are someone who holds scripture in a high view, it should be important to ask yourself: am, am I using this in the way it's meant to be used, or am I misusing it? And so, I I think something that's important to know is what is the bible trying to do right now like what is the purpose of this and it changes that's the, that's the other thing is like the saying the bible is like saying the constitution plus you know all of the laws and congress like they yeah and the declaration of independence like they all do slightly different things in different ways so if you read the book of psalms the same as genesis 1 the same as hebrews you're at least going to get one of those wrong. Right. But if reading the Bible in the way that it was intended to be read is important and, and Mm -hmm. learning that, but also, uh, I think like understanding that from an outside view. So seeing how the Bible works can help you orient yourself with like, Oh, what's going on here or how did it get here or, what time period was this written, or what language was this written in? Or those are all things that can help you get closer to basically avoid misusing the Bible.
0: Yeah, and those are, and to me, they're just kind of layers of the onion, deeper than like first layer, the like the little papery skin that you kind of want to throw off, it like it yeah. protects the onion, but you want to get rid of it because it. Blech. Yep. Um, that's like, don't touch, don't touch the ark means don't do anything wrong or you'll die yes right
1: outside of the onion
0: and further further in you you kind can, can kind of look at it more as an adult and kind of dig into this what this why was it there what did these place names mean all the way to the, the temple yada yada and then further in is like asking questions about about the book that it's in maybe you know like Samuel like, what, what's about what is Samuel's deal where did that book come from and then for the like asking I think we should be Feel free to ask questions about the Bible itself, and follow that where it leads. And what, I love the—I the, just looked at the subtitle to this. The Bible actually works. It says, "In which I explain how in how an ancient, ambiguous, and diverse book leads to leads us to wisdom rather than answers, and why that's great news." Mm. And I like that so much because I'm kind of at a point where. I'm realizing how much I don't know. You know, I, I I left off, I took off to Germany, Mr. Man with the, with the Bible degree. And I had answers. I'm going to let you folks in Germany know all the answers and came back and I had more answers. And I was excited to tell people the answers that I found. And now I, I'm still excited to talk to people about this stuff, but I'm more excited about the questions that I have. You know, and like, what could those answers mean? You know, but I come away with it with fewer answers, but I hope more wisdom. I mean, someone, would, someone would maybe disagree with that for sure, but.
1: I think the process, I'm the process of that, wherever somebody is, that's what important is like, letting go of answers and moving towards questions or or, or wisdom, or I called that faith. I I called it from certainty to faith yeah, or from um, certainty to doubt or from ch- milk to meat. Like that. Mm-hmm. It's not something where even us certainty Christians, if you're familiar enough with the Bible, it's like what we're talking about is in there and is you're supposed to grow up and you're supposed yeah. to not just grow physically, but grow in compassion and wisdom and we're even told like if if you're you're a faithful Christian, then the spirit is supposed to push you in this direction and it's a it's this direction of change. It's not like a baptized and then you're in the destination.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's a good time to plug the book that we're gonna be doing for our book club again. I think so. In yeah. episode 40. The Faith After Doubt is the book. And it's all about Going through these stages of faith and what this might mean and he doesn't prescribe a way you have to do it or and he talks about how you're going to go back and forth between these stages from different times yeah but it's it's this it really I think it sums it up in this subtitle of this other book about how leads us to wisdom that's kind of thing I, where I'd like to get is wisdom about God, about the world around us, how to interact with each other how to interact with God, how to interact with ourselves, how to understand ourselves. I think there's just so much more depth to the Bible and to faith and to God than when we thought that it was just an easy answer. Yeah. That's one reason I've told many people that I, I, since going through all this stuff that I'm going through, I honestly feel closer to God than I have before. And I I haven't really been able to put a finger on it until our conversation just now. This has been helpful because I'm allowing myself to not know. And by doing that, you allow yourself to receive or find answers that you didn't think were answers before because you already had the answers, so anything else was immediately wrong. You shut down that line of thinking. When you allow that to open up, can take you some really fantastic places.
1: Definitely. Yeah. We've talked about the burden that we didn't know we were carrying when we realize that the gospel really can be summed up in love God, love others. Yeah. And that that makes things make sense, like that Jesus is what yoke is. Easy. Easy and his burden is light. Yep. Like, wow. It's one thing to read that and know that that's the answer. But wow, it fe- it's another thing to feel the burden fall off of your shoulders, mm-hmm. yeah, and to walk around in that freedom. It's incredible. Yep, and yeah, that's that's the whole thing I was trying to say. Is it's it feels great. Like it the the end is not just this taking apart. There's also that levity and and freedom and confidence and that comes from not making up your own burdens to put on your own back.
0: Yeah, we've got enough, man.
1: Oh, man, yeah. No kidding. Don't add
0: to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that's probably what happened with your house. Somebody's like, "I'm so sick of my my mom making me practice this guitar. I'm just going to wall <laughs> yeah. it up and and never pretend it wasn't there." Yeah. Don't need any more burdens. So does it is it work? The guitar?
1: Uh, it was in really bad shape, but I, that would have ruined the metaphor. Oh, sorry. So I didn't want to bring cut that, that up. part out. Yeah. So I gave it to someone else. I was like, yeah, um, but still cool. Yeah. I had an electrician over. I've got a weird shaped house and I swear we both thought we discovered a secret room in my house. <laughs> and it was like scary because we, we like open up this hole and you look in this little room and there's a little table with a bunch of stuff on it. And there's a there's like light in there, and you just have that moment like, there's a secret room in my house that someone like lives in.
2: <laughs> wow, <laughs> well,
0: how big was this secret room that you found?
1: Oh, I mean, it looked I mean, it looked like it was going to be like three feet by three feet or something. You know, it's like you wouldn't notice it. It's kind of like yeah, you, you know, you don't know where the walls end. I was like, there's. There's a secret room in my house, and someone has been living in there for the past who knows how long, undiscovered to me. It's like the premise of a of a horror movie. <laughs> it turns out um, I just have really bad depth perception, and it's just my room. And I, we were just looking at it at such a weird angle.
0: Oh, is actually your room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, both that of us looks familiar. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's it's like closer than we thought it should be and at a different elevation because we were like, you know, went up and down stairs to get to this other place. So there's an analogy in there somewhere like
0: you know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, great topic tonight. That's, that's really open your eyes, ask ask questions get deeper.
1: Yeah. Don't stop.
0: See, we we, we could have saved an hour and a half, man, just said that and moved on. Yeah. Ask questions get deeper. That's the answer. Why would you have
1: to <laughs> talk more than that?
0: The yeah, end. no, don't ask a questions. That's the answer. Yeah,.
2: Okay.
1: all right.
0: Been fun man I'll have to do this again sometime. <laughs> sometime. See you later see ya. I thought you wanted to hear, But it only takes a whisper. Hey, thanks for listening to following the fire. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, which includes links to everything we mentioned, as well as all the scriptures, head on over to followingthefire.com and just click on this episode. There's also contact information on the website. Let us know what you think about the show and if you have any suggestions for future topics. Also, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you could. It really helps other folks find the show. And as always, thanks to the fabulous Daniel Wheat for the theme song and the music for the episode. You can find more of his stuff on Apple Music and Spotify. See you later.